For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Gerhardt's back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. From NJ1015.com, this is the new Jim Gerhardt Podcast. And again, Jim Gerhardt and Bob Williams paddling along here in the handbasket, mm-hmm. <laughs> heading you know where. On our are. way into Thanksgiving. On our way into Thanksgiving already. I know. What, what, this is a, the strangest year. We have gone from the heat of summer, unbearable mm-hmm. humidity and heat, to the middle of winter. I know. 28 degrees is a predicted high. For Thanksgiving. For Thanksgiving Day. And some wind gusts, so yeah. that could give some troubles to the balloons or the parade. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, oh, oh, uh, this is something I learned this morning, and I'd been curious about this. Maybe you had the big fires in California. Mm-hmm. They keep referring to the campfire. Yes. You know why they call it a campfire? No, I, I, I didn't. And everybody asked that. Was it campers? But, no, they think it was a utility malfunction. Hmm. But I never knew this before, but just so we'll all know, these wildfires i guess in california or whatever the department of the interior gets involved in they're named after the place where they assume the fire started okay this fire they say started at a place called camp creek road okay outside this paradise you know the uh was that the town that was completely the the town that was wiped out burned away so for anybody who wants to know and I thought this this had uh, you know sort of gnawed at me. Why campfire? It wasn't a campfire that started it? So that's it. Camp Creek Road they figure was the ground zero, and that apparently is where the alleged utility right. uh, 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 the, malfunction the, right. or, or whatever it was. Yeah. I guess that'll all be sorted out. What hey, a terrible, you, terrible thing! Can you imagine? Uh, you know, there's an interesting thing in human nature. Somehow, a huge conflagration like this or tragedy is harder to grasp than an individual one. Hmm. And, and I think this also is like, oh, the Holocaust and, and, and many big, big, terrible things. Right. If it is, if there are a lot of people involved in it, somehow it's almost numbing effect. Right. But it's if like, there's one or two, you really kind of feel. But it's like over a thousand people are missing. I well, mean, are they, we presume that they were incinerated by the fire? They, I mean, no. The, the the assumption is, and I hope it's correct, that these are people who just split, got just, out. Right. Got out of there. They may have gone back to the parents in Missouri, you know, yeah. or something, and they don't know anybody's looking for them. Mm-hmm. That's what they hope is going on here. But obviously, there's going to be more people killed. Right. I saw a thing on the Weather Channel yesterday. I never realized this. They were talking about tornadoes. Do you know there was a tornado in this country in 1925 that killed over 600 people? No. So, I mean, so we're, we're not virgin to this kind of terrible natural disaster. And how, how about the air quality in this area, on the east side, on the uh, east uh, part of the country, is being affected because of all the smoke coming east? From the from the wildfires. Oh yeah, and they had uh, what a football game I was watching, and and they had a meter mm. up there, and this was back over the weekend, showing the air quality, and it was nudging right toward really bad, the, mm. the red or the the highest one, and they said they'd have to stop the game. Mm. And this was in San Francisco, right. 
Yeah. So uh, it, it it's a mess. They have uh, like smog and and f- smoke over the uh, the Golden Gate Bridge, yeah. completely covering it. it. Looks like it looks like a fog rolling in. Well, we've had this before. Remember uh, smoke from uh, Canadian forest fires, I yeah. believe that that we've had. And we had what when the the Krakatoa blew up in the 1880s or something like that. The the whole winter in New England. In this country, there was no sunshine. Oh, and we had the the uh, Icelandic eruption uh, yes. eruption mm-hmm. when they grounded aircraft. Yes, because of the they stuff in the sky. Mm-hmm. So we, we're getting a lot of stuff going here. Yeah, I, I I run across maybe it's not related to this, but all these end time prophecies. You know, there will be all of these these things. Uh, the Hopi Indians uh, had a saying that. They had predicted the end, like all cultures predict the end of the world for some reason or other. The Hopi said, on the days of purification, there will be cobwebs in the sky. Now, what does that ring a bell? Hmm. Cobwebs in the sky. Hmm. The chemtrails. Okay. All right. So, I mean, it's yeah. almost like they're saying the day of purification. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. They're, they're, uh, but getting back to uh, natural disasters, we had one here on the on the roads the other day. Oh man, I know what you're going to talk about. Yeah, uh, and uh, it, it was beyond description in New Jersey. It was disgraceful. Yeah. Now, what had happened is, I understand it, they had not done any preparation on the roads. Is that correct? Correct. Very minimal. In North Jersey. Mi- minimal uh, preparation. The word had gotten out three or four days earlier where we're going to get some sort yes, of snowfall, yes. a plowable snowfall, and the predictions were there, uh, and uh, the, the the crews were not prepared. We they were weren't not, called out. They're though. not called out in time. Which, again, you can't blame the crew. Right. It, the, the crews worked their butts off every but storm. But they were not called out. So the they management above now, them. Now, that was in North Jersey. Yes. That was right around uh, Newark, really, in that uh, Anywhere north of Newark, up to yeah. uh, Morris County, Sussex, oh, no. all that stuff. What? Why? I was told the night before, somebody who'd been on Route 295 in South Jersey, in Burlington County, said, oh, they're putting down brine hmm. on the roads. That was the night before this. You need to In do South that. Jersey. Yeah. Well, they, somebody knew it, and yet the governor says, nobody could have predicted this. It was an act of God, an act of nature, suddenly unexpected. It was unexpected. I knew that the predictions were for that a people, day or two or three days before. Thursday afternoon was probably one of the worst commutes in people's uh, history. Oh, it has to be. I mean, it took my son, who works in Parsippany, to Roxbury, which is normally like a 15, 20-minute ride. Yeah. It took him five hours. No exaggeration. Five hours from work to home. The the, the traffic was just snarled. Uh, they weren't going anywhere. Some roads were closed mm-hmm. because the roads weren't treated. There were a couple of accidents. And the, the police locally had to step in and, and close the roads. And here, here's another one for you. Ryan gets home, and he, and he shows me the next day. He goes, Dad, look at my truck. Don't you think after five hours I would have a little bit of salt on my truck? <laughs> the, the truck was completely, completely cleared clear. after the snow had mm-hmm. melted the next day. That that pretty much tells you right there. There was no rock salt on the road, no pretreatment. Got, but yesterday, oh, 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 I'm getting ahead of no, myself. No, 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 no. You go right ahead. But Because, uh, because what I was going to say is part two of this. Yes. What, what, the governor got a, took a lot of flack and got blamed for not being aware of this and calling out yes. uh, the, the help uh, or mobile. 
But the next day, he did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. And millions of dollars, absolutely no reason. The, and the crews have still been on standby, and uh, we, we've seen more plow trucks out early in the morning than I've seen cars on the road yeah. for the last couple of and days. No, the te- no the forecast for are, that. are above freezing throughout the entire state, so, maybe the far northwest part of the, the state. But the governor called it out because of fog. Yes. At least so I heard. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to plow fog. So then Ryan comes to me a couple yeah. of days later. Later, uh, like on Monday, and he says, "Dad, now look at my truck. I got more salt on my truck, and we haven't had snow <laughs> since anything. last uh, Thursday." Yeah. So go uh, figure. It's I, like how much money is being spent on these plow guys who, who are probably loving it. They're sitting by the sides of the road, drinking coffee, waiting for their first snowflake, yeah. <laughs> which probably won't be coming for another week or so. And yet they weren't even called out to sit in the trunk and yes. drink coffee when you had the big storm, yes. which had been very much promoted. Right. I mean, that was really hyped Mm -hmm. and apparently nobody in high places in new jersey had heard about that and obviously the governor did not he's not taking blame he's the top guy he needs to take the blame Uh instead he he deflects the blame he blames the meteorologists he blames our guy dan zarrow (laughs) who is pretty darn accurate with this you know dan Dan will say yeah i was off by a couple of inches but gosh he still predicted a plowable snowstorm what it doesn't matter if it's two or three inches or four to six inches you need to get the crews out there in plenty of time you need to do the brining you need to do the pre-treatment sure. to give people a fighting chance to get around. Well, apparently he was unaware of that part of governance. But he mentioned something, uh, because Governor Christie had called in the radio station here. Oh, and, yes, and complained and, uh, about Jeff it. and Bill in the and, afternoon. And, okay, yeah. so what happened was that the governor, uh, Comrade Murphy, comes back uh, uh, and shoots back at, at uh, Christie, reminding him of the time way back there when he had gone off to Disney World uh, minutes ahead, beat it out of Dodge just before a huge storm that totally immobilized uh, Brick and uh, Howell, I think it was, in some other communities mm-hmm. in New Jersey. Right. And uh, in this case, the governor was right, although that's gone and forgotten. Right. That was early on in the uh, in, Christie in, administration. administration. I thought it was a huge mistake that he made. And I think right. after I criticized that on the air, I think our relations were never quite the same. Right, but because there again, he, he never let that happen again. It happened once. Now, with Murphy, it this this crap happened last spring. They got caught where they didn't treat the roads back uh-huh. in March. We had a couple of uh, nor'easters early in early March, and the roads were in horrible condition. We, we didn't have as bad as this uh-huh. last storm, but bad enough that they were not prepared. So the honeymoon is <laughs> over. The, I, you know, I, the, the, know. The, the, I, I think that's a mistake. The governor's getting a lot of criticism. There is a tendency in this country, obviously, to play a game of dog pile on the rabbit. Anytime something happens we don't like, you look for somebody to blame it on. Now, of course, you get the whole Democratic or Dem-obstructive party, whatever they call themselves now, who are blaming Donald Trump for everything. He's blaming the California wildfires. On Trump. Yeah. On, on Trump. Mm. And the, what, the big criticism was that he was supposed to have demeaned the efforts of firefighters. By saying that California had had not done good wild or uh, uh, management, forest management, he's blaming the management. Nothing to do he's with not it. blaming he the, the fir- management. He's not blaming the first and yet responders. they turned it around like that. Yeah, so we've got to blame. Now, here's here's where I think you're wrong. I'll disagree with you that the tide has turned on this governor. This governor and practically any of the same ilk could get up and say, reveal himself. I am. I'll tell you the truth now. I am the Antichrist. I'm the reincarnation of Attila the Hun, uh, Ivan the Terrible. 
I'm going to do awful things to you. I'm going to tax you until you don't have a pair of undies left. But then remember, I am a Democrat. Mm-hmm. And he get reelected. Yeah. Uh, we've gotten that far. <laughs> this, right. whole, this whole absurd thing. Yeah. I tell you, let, let's get a sensible word here. Hi, I'm Jim Gerhardt. Again, I'd like to tell you something about Robert Dukansky of Remax First Advantage. Now, Rob guarantees to sell your home at a price and a deadline that you agree to or he will buy it. And there's no risk to you because he'll let you out of that contract anytime. Now, just imagine this. The stress of going through a wedding, moving to a new house, having a whole change of life, still not being able to sell the house, then deal with two mortgages at the same time. That's what a lady named Marina of North Plainfield was going through. Just married, just moved. Her old house was on the market six months with another agent. No activity. So, what do you do? Well, you talk to Rob Dukansky. Rob sat down with Marina, came up with a marketing plan, matched the home with his database of buyers, and bam, over 100 showings. So call the official real estate agent of 101.5 and the only agent I would think of calling if I needed to sell my home, Rob Dukansky, 855-350-1015, 855-350-1015, or online at robsellsnj.com. Talk to Rob and start packing. I was foraging around trying to clean up the garage at Stately Gerhard Manor. Mm-hmm. You know, let me let me right now stop for a second. Why do I call my home Stately Gerhard Manor? Why do you call your home Stately Gerhard Manor? I'm glad you asked me that. There are people say, I've seen where you live and it's stately. It's not a manor. <laughs> it ain't no manor. Yeah, I live in kind of an average, you know, neighborhood, old house. Uh, remember in Batman, uh, when they changed the scene from the crime that was going on, or Commissioner Gordon's office before Batman came in, uh, they they would say, now nobody ever said, hey, let's see what's shaking over at Bruce Wayne's house. <laughs> no, they'll say, they me- all say meanwhile, meanwhile, back <laughs> at Stately <laughs> Wayne Manor, an uh, ancestral home of million, prominent millionaire Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. So meanwhile, back at Stately Wayne Manor. So mm-hmm. I'm Stately Gerhart Manor. I, it's it's in deference to Batman. Nobody else is using it? <laughs> Well, all Go right. So, so, so now you know. Okay. Relax, people. Uh, here's something that I said I was foraging around in the garage, and I came up with some old uh, a file with some old stuff that we'd used on the air. This was back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things in there was a copy of a report that was sent to the attorney general by a group who had gotten hold of a memo and the memo was from a committee that the governor at the time had appointed to uh, pick people who were going to be appointed to superior court judgeships. Mm-hmm. Now, I know there's been a lot of uh, a comment, a lot of talk about the municipal courts, which is sort of a, uh, cash a mess cow. in yeah. itself. Yeah. yeah, the cash cow. But this is for the next level up. It's a higher level. The the uh, uh, District the courts? Dist- well, Dist- not, not district yeah. courts, the uh, superior court okay. judges. It's what you... Go before if you've actually committed a crime beyond parking or something. Uh, And they had complained about how the judges are picked. Uh, They were picked for uh, political purposes. Let me read this now. Okay, the memo they got hold of was a memo that went from the committee the governor had picked to make recommendations for the governor's appointing these people to this post. And it goes over most of the candidates, and it uh, gives an evaluation of them. Well, basically, the evaluation all depends on how well these people had served the party or how much money they had given to the party. And this uh, group called Public Focus was calling them out. And uh, the person who wrote to the attorney general said that uh, 
This suggests that political campaign contributions are a consideration in measuring the qualifications of those to be appointed as judges here in the state of New Come Jersey. If you don't lie asleep, better give him a nudge. Everybody look alive, because here comes the judge. Yeah, here come the judge. And here, here come the judge. Here's how the judge gets to here come. Uh, and they go on. Uh, such activity, I believe, is criminal. It severely undermines the need for an independent judiciary. If this kind of smoke is out there in public, uh, an investigation could turn up big flames. And he goes on and on complaining about it and saying, hey, I would, I would not want to go before a judge who got the job not because of his judicial acumen, but because he gave a lot of money to the party uh, at the time. Now, uh, get down to uh, the one case in point, and this is just the first one that they mention. And here is a quote from the report. They had the list of all the judges who were competing, or all the people, the politicians or lawyers, legislators and all competing for, for these bench seats. And I'll just read you one because, again, uh, there are page, is page after page of this, all indicating a connection to a well-placed political figure, a law partner, many law partners mm-hmm. of prominent members of that party. Right. But this is kind of the, uh, uh, what, the objective correlative here. This is an, uh, an example. And they're talking about, here is uh, a... Uh, talking about a, a, a resident of uh, Somerset uh, who practices, and he gives the name of the law firm. He's been strongly supported for appointment by, and again, they give the name of a big political figure. And here it says, in the past, here's our evaluation. In the past, he has been a strong financial supporter of the party and fundraiser for this administration. Hmm. More recently, however, he feels that the administration has not been responsive and of late has not been as active in raising money as he was. We have to give this some thought in, <laughs> he better step and, up his and, game, and revise right? his qualification. <laughs> so it's like, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> he gave a pile of money and right. then he gets up and he wants to get paid back for it. And they say, well, you didn't give us anything lately. Uh, but anyway, uh, and it's just 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 one example. If you don't lie asleep, better give him a nudge. Everybody look alive, because here come the judge. Here come the judge. All right, I tell you. It's, uh, there was one story, and again, this is simply a story, and this goes back again to the 90s, that there was the wife of a very powerful political figure in the state, not anybody who ever ran for office, but did have... Uh, firm control, almost draconian control over all of the party's activities in a certain part of the state. And the story was that his wife had decided she'd like to be a superior court judge. <laughs> and she didn't become that because I think even the even the legislature, even the governor at the time couldn't go along with that. <laughs> he had to give him another favor instead. <laughs> right. But the, the cost reported at the time, and as she put up $200,000, give it to the party, she could become a judge. But you know, I don't know why that surprises people. We have a governor who bought the job. Right. We had a former congressman in the 3rd District who just lost an election. He bought the job. We had John Corzine who bought two jobs. Mm. <laughs> and uh, Everything's the, for the sale. Senate, everything is for sale. It really is. Uh, and we don't 
see that, and we have become so inured, numbed to the system that, that everything is money. Speaking of everything being money, now, this will ring a bell with you, Bob. I have an appointment when we get through here to get a flu shot. <laughs> Are you sure you want to do that? I don't know that I want to do it, but I thought, you oh, know. God. But, but now, you did. About Let's three, throw this back to you. About, you got a flu shot, and, and what did you get? I got the flu. You got the flu. <laughs> about three weeks ago, and it started immediately. I started getting flu-like symptoms, and then I got congested. I've had this stinking ear infection for about two weeks. Now I'm on antibiotics, and I'm still waiting for my ear to pop. It's uh, you know, it's one of those things. But I get a flu shot every year, yeah. and this is the first time I've had a reaction to it. So but I'm not I, based that, on your experience, when I called to make the appointment for the flu, shot. I said, I want a flu shot, but I don't want a shot for the flu. I would like a shot inoculating me against the flu. Correct, yes. So when you go through your drawer there with a flu vaccine, right. I, this is the one I want. Yeah. I don't want the like Bob Williams got. And I'm not getting the pneumonia shot, that's for sure. Well, the thing with the <laughs> flu shot, I, I have mixed feelings about it. I'm, I, I made the appointment you know, some time ago. Used to be you just go to your doctor's office and you roll up your sleeve and some nice lady there, generally, or an assistant, or, or the doctor will give you a shot and you walk out. Mm-hmm. Now, all doctors, or most of them, at least in my experience, are, are uh, members of some system. Mm-hmm. And the system takes over. Right. So it's not that simple. You have to go through all kind of things, jump through hoops, make appointments, endless correspondence reminding you of your appointment. And I'm anxious to see what happens if they will let me get in and out today with just a flu shot. I got a feeling that they will try to churn this into some kind of a doctor's appointment, which uh, I don't need. Okay, like, and then, and because once this doctor, whom I like very much, joined or the the system, which I won't mention, but you know all of these health systems, right. everybody seems to be getting into. It, it's sort of a corporate sort of a medicine right now. Oh, yeah. uh, what used to be health care is now health exploitation. Mm-hmm. I think. They churn these things. But I found out that a physical, which kept getting less and less every time I went, and finally it would go, I'd go in and you take my blood pressure, and that's, that's it. Mm. <laughs> you got any problems? <laughs> and one time I found a browbeat him into, into, into uh, giving me a prescription for blood tests yeah, <laughs> when right. I wasn't feeling well. Right. It's pretty bad when you have to ask them to do stuff for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then when the blood things came back, I got a call from somebody, I don't know who, somebody worked in the office or worked in the building or the block or something saying, well, they didn't find anything wrong, nothing exceptional. And that was the end of it. No, no contact with the doctor, Mm. but take the blood pressure, which I can do at home. Yes. (laughs) But the point is that this session that I was getting regularly when they joined the system went from $90 to $190. God. <laughs> That's what's wrong with the system. You uh, you the the the, the whole health care system has turned in simply to a commercial enterprise that I don't think people are going to stand for this, but they're not going to be able to do anything about it as long as the medical industry, the health industry and the pharmaceutical industry pours these huge amounts of money into lawmakers. Right. They will build a wall around them. Yep. They're I mean, you ru- think the Chinese it. wall is big and impenetrable. The wall that they have built around this profiteering in the medical industry. I had, I think I've mentioned this before, a specialist, very well regarded one too. And he came into the office that had been sitting there a while. 
and he was shaking his head. He says, this is not about the patient and his health anymore. My job is all about creating volume and profit. And it's true. Right. That's what it was. And so you were a victim of that. Last appointment I got with a uh, cardiologist. Right. It said blatantly, well, first of all, they go into a long thing about have all of your insurance stuff or money ready. Right. <laughs> and secondarily, somewhere down there is something about your health or what you what they're yeah. going to do. But you have you will have fifteen minutes. Right. But yeah, now, do you and, tell me about your <laughs> your, oh, man. your experience? I'm still, fight, I'm still fighting this bill. I think I finally got it resolved. Uh, my doctor, I, I asked a couple of extra questions during this one visit, and I got billed for an extra visit. Because I spent too much time asking questions with the doctor. They put it on some sort of code as like extended visit. I asked like three or four questions. They were important to the uh, germane to the, the to the visit itself. Yeah. But it's like, you know, here's an extra 250 bucks. I had to fight it through the insurance. Yeah. They, I think they finally wound up paying it. But it took a, like a, an appeal and all this <laughs> stuff just because I asked an extra three or four questions. Yeah. The guy sat there an extra 10 minutes with me. When I decided I wanted to get a flu shot anyway, I, I Again, the thing of the flu shots, they say they have no idea whether it's going to be uh, effective or not because right. they're guessing what strain of flu there'll be. Yes. So, but anyway, for some reason or other, I went ahead and did it. But when I called, now I used to call the doctor for years. I get right in and I talk to the nice ladies who were operating the desk and say, "This is what I want to do." Not anymore. You call. You get the system. You get the automated calls, and then you sit there. And you wait, and you wait, and then somebody, the thing comes on. They go through this long menu, and finally they get down to the fact if you want to talk to the office. But they start off by saying, you have reached the office of Dr. So-and-so, or doctors, or their association. If this is an emergency, call 911. In other words, they're saying, don't bother us with your damn whining. Right. (laughs) We don't want to hear it. Now, the point (laughs) is, in many cases, how do I know it's an emergency or not? Right. I asked the doctor. I can't. He's the professional. He yeah. should be able I, to and tell I'll you. Get on, or even a nurse. And I'll say, look, here's what's happening. I'm feeling this, that, and I got this going on. Uh, is this serious enough for me? Or would you like me to come in or what? No, you don't get that anymore. And then they go on and on with these options, and most of which have to do with a commercial transaction. Hmm. And uh, if you want us to check out your insurance company. And all. But And then finally, finally, I got through. And, and to a person, and, and the people there are shaking their head. It was the damn system. You know, I said, I had to fight my way to get through to just make a simple thing. Yep. Then, instead of just saying, well, come on in, I'll give you a flu shot. No, you have to get on the list. You get back into the, uh, the system again. Two weeks later... You know, here I am. It's gotten to the point where patients really need to take their responsibility and become educated about their own health because you really can't trust the physicians or the conglomerates to tell you what's really wrong. You've got to keep up on it. Otherwise, you you could be misdiagnosed or mistreated. And well, you may not get the treatment. Do you that realize you're to get. I read that the third largest cause of death in this country after heart and cancer is health care. <laughs> really? Hospital, you know, mistakes, infections, yeah. uh, misdiagnoses and everything. That's right. But but you hit upon, I think, the basic thing, which is it was trust. And it was always extremely important to have trust between you and, and your doctor. This yeah. is an important thing. This is your life. And you often had that. And again, I think I've used this before, but I can remember the time. Maybe younger people can't even remember this. 
when you go into the doctor's office, the first thing somebody said was, where does it hurt? What's the matter? What are your symptoms? What can we do? What's the first thing they ask now? Get on the scale. No. What kind of insurance do you oh, have? Oh, that's true. Right. That, before, that's way before get on the scale. <laughs> right. You, know, you, don't, you don't even get near the scale. You <laughs> until, get to sniff the scale you, until they make before sure that you they can go pay. through all of this. Yeah, uh, good point. Uh, but that, that's the main thing. So the main transaction that is happening now is commercial rather than anything to do at medical. Whoever's sponsoring the doctor, right? Yeah. So, jeez, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and I, I have sympathy for the doctors because in a sense, some, perhaps the doctors, some tell me that they have to do this to survive. Oh, absolutely. See, they, the have same doctor, yeah. they have to overcharge. They have to overcharge so that the insurance companies who have these contracts with the doctors will, you know, undercut them and give them the contracted price which is a minimal amount of what they really should be entitled to. So they've got to charge 100% more just to get a recoup some of the, uh, of, of the office visit or whatever the fees are. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it's a it's mess. Disgusting. When, when I, again, back in the days when you'd walk in and you, to see the doctor and they said, what's the matter? You'd have maybe one person, an assistant, a nurse, or a receptionist, or maybe two. Now, you've got rooms full of them. They have to because of the accounting, the bookkeeping, the taxes, the malpractice insurance. That's an interesting thing. I digress here for a moment because I'd like to go on for days about my anger with with the medical and how this has changed. Mm -hmm. What is going to happen, they are going to force this into a government-run single-payer single-payer, which the Democrats want. and I'm sure probably a lot of Republicans too, but they can't because of the money coming in from the industry who set this up. Healthcare system. I looked it up. CEO salaries. Mm. The healthcare system that this doctor joined that I was talking about, mine seeing today, you know how much he makes? The head, the CEO? Millions. Millions, like $11 million yeah. a year. Some of them make up to $16, $17 million a year. For what? How much health care would that buy? Right. But, um, so this is this is what it is, and the doctor is simply a pawn in that to try to exist. And the fraud is incredible. Oh, sleaze Bob Squarepants Menendez, the, the senator, for life, I yeah. guess, until he changes his name, then we'll get him. But his partner, his good friend, his buddy, his homie, the dentist or, or the ophthalmologist in yeah, Florida, right. that— he had defrauded the federal government out of huge, or $12 million. It was a huge amount of money. Yeah. Medicare fraud. And you see, this was part of the accusation in the, uh, the, the, uh, what the trial they had of Menendez was that he had tried to exercise his uh, influence as a senator with the Department of Health to not charge him. Right. Now, he apparently was not successful, but he did apparently... According to stories at the time, he made an effort. He called in as a senator, some representative of, of the department, to try to, you know, maybe grease the skids a little bit here. Now, it turns out that there was a hung jury, as you know, on all of these charges. Why was there a hung jury? Not that he didn't violate basic human ethics. It was because the Supreme Court had made a decision that pretty much said, well, they all do this. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't doing anything the rest of them don't do. And refresh my memory, Jim. Didn't we just reelect this guy? If I'm not mistaken, we reelected him. Jesus. <laughs> uh, Unbelievable. For six more years, yeah. he will be down there serving himself while mm-hmm. we sit here with our tongues hanging out, 
looking for some kind of relief. I want to do, good heavens, we burned the time up here like, man. Yeah, we're almost done. Okay, I tell you, I got a couple of things here. The, the, the stupidest things politicians ever said. All right. Uh, let, me, let me do Republicans this time. This is uh, President George Bush, and this is the first Bush. He says, it's no exaggeration to say that the undecided voters could go one way or the other. Uh, uh, I got another one, uh, a Ronald Reagan here that I think is. Oh, Ron, oh here we go. Ron, he's got a couple of classics, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, Ronald Reagan. And he came back. He had a trip to South America. Some people may remember that. It got a lot of attention because I think in one of the countries they came out and rocked his limousine, the people who weren't too happy with him. <laughs> he said, I learned a lot of my Latin American visit. I went down to Latin America to find out from them and to learn their views. You'd be surprised. They're all individual countries. <laughs> all right, now let's turn to the Democrat side here. And, uh, we, okay, here's Jimmy time. Carter. Here's a, here's a Jimmy Carter. Peter Farmer, yep. Uh, Jimmy Carter, while he was running for the presidency, somebody had accused him of being fuzzy on the issues. He said, we're all fuzzy on the issues. The advantage of being a presidential candidate you have a much broader range of issues on which to be fuzzy. <laughs> now, this has got to be probably my all-time favorite, and we're going to go out on this one. Okay. I, I don't know how anybody could ever top this one. This was a uh, this was a uh, the governor of Connecticut. He was the governor of Connecticut, and he was the governor in 1991. The governor of Connecticut was making a speech about welfare, and he had a big audience, and he was speaking on, uh, on welfare, people on welfare, and how he was going to help them. Now, William O'Neill said, uh, at the, he said, people do not want handouts. People want hand jobs. Well, come to judge. If your lawyer's sleeping, better give him a nudge. Everybody look alive, because here comes the judge. Here comes the judge. Have a great Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the new Jim Gerhardt Podcast. Still cooking, and it's bigger than ever. From NJ1015.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.